Well, it's good to be with you this morning in your living room, on your tablet, on your cell phone, wherever the Lord may have you. And I know that uh, these circumstances are not uh, exactly where we want to be as we want to gather as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know that the Lord has plans in the midst of all of this. And I look and I think back to the book of Acts and the early church was gathering together in the temple and all of a sudden the persecution happened. Something happened in which the church could not gather. And God used that opportunity to scatter the people throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth for the glory of God Almighty. And so when we think about what God is doing today, when we think about what he is doing in the midst of all of these things, we know that our God is in control and he has a plan for us. I think of this verse in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14, and I shared this with you in an email this week, but it says, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and Lord knows that we need to awake as a nation, as a people. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then now how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The president has issued a statement declaring today, the Lord's Day, this Sunday, as a day of prayer. And you've already heard multiple people pray, and I'm going to pray again. And the Southern Baptist Convention has issued us specific prayer points to pray for, and I want to pray for those as we gather together as the body, even, even if we are not able to be in the same place. Lord, we pray... Um, for this virus. Lord, we ask God in his mercy to stop this pandemic, to save lives, not only in our communities, but around the world, particularly in places that are unequipped medically to deal with this virus. Lord, we pray for our government leaders, President Donald Trump and others. We pray for them to have wisdom to direct the courses in the prevention and the care. Lord, we know that this is an opportunity for people to come back to you to understand that our days are numbered. And Father, help us to understand that we need the Lord Jesus Christ, that we need God Almighty to be in our life. Lord, we ask the Lord to protect our missionaries around the world, those that have been sent out from this church and other, other churches from our Southern Baptist Convention to the world to share the light of the gospel. May they use this, may we use this as an opportunity, an opportunity for your word to go forth, for people to turn their hearts back again to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're celebrating 90 years as a congregation here. What a 90-year celebration it has been these last few weeks. It has been uh, 
kind of different. But one of the things that we have done um, throughout Northwest Baptist time these last 90 years is that we have seen the Lord God Almighty revive His people over and over again. I want to I tell you some of these times in which the Lord has moved mightily in the lives of people. During the Great Depression in the 1930s, the church was struggling to pay their bills. One pastor had just ended up being hired and then he left short, shortly into his tenure. The church was struggling and the future of the church was in doubt. Yet God would revive his church and his people. In 1934, John T. Daniel began his ministry here with an IOU in church finances that a full salary could could be paid to him when it was possible when and if the church finances allowed he came on faith trusting that the Lord would provide for his church and would provide for him Within a few months, the membership increased along with it. The finances improved as well. In the 1940s, Dr. Daniel had a vision to build a large sanctuary with a tall steeple. You've seen that in the pictures of this video of the, the, the 1940 sanctuary that eventually burned down. The church raised uh, money for five years, and yet the vision dimmed, leaving the building unfinished. Yet God was not done with that project as the next pastor, Dr. Paul Roberts, came in and the church regained momentum. Dr. Roberts led a citywide tent revival in, in, in which 193 people were added to the church, 46 professions of faith, at the end of the seven months, there were 355 new members in the church. The increase enabled the church to finish the building project and with it, the new sanctuary. Then you may know the story of Beauty for Ashes, but in 1966, on December 4th, a combined 220 voice choir presented the Christmas program. It seemed to cultivate a year of expectancy of the revelation of God's plan for Northwest. As the last candle was extinguished, the lights were turned off, the doors closed and locked, the last echoes of silent night were stilled, never to be heard from again in that building. Shortly after midnight, a spark no longer dormant sprang to life, giving birth to an inferno which for hours consumed that which taken 36 years for loving hands and strong souls to build. 200 firemen fought without injury until the mist-shrouded dawn dimly revealed that they had only saved a few buildings. The church was leveled, the church was decimated, and yet the church was the people of God. The building was gone, and yet the people were strong. Newman McClary, who was a pastor at that time, wrote a letter 
to the church, calling the members to focus on Christ, of what God wanted to do in and through this time. I'm going to read you that letter. The letter wrote by Newman, beloved church family, our church is destroyed. Only the church buildings. You are the church. And though heartsick and weary, we are as strong, if not stronger, than before. Buildings can and will be rebuilt. God will give us beauty for ashes. Isaiah 61.3 With God's help and yours, this tragic loss will be turned to victory. If you are a member of Northwest Baptist Church, you are needed now. This is the time for every member to rise up and be counted. I'm expecting a record attendance and everyone will have a place to worship. I shall look for you Sunday. Together under God, we will dedicate our lives to the task and watch God resurrect these ashes for beauty. Those words would become the rallying cry for Northwest during the rebuilding phase Gene Bartlett, as Patty shared in the video, wrote a song. It was called Beauty for Ashes. And the second stanza meant a lot to this congregation as it read this. We'll bind up the brokenhearted and put all our faith in the Lord. We'll stay with work that he started and labor in one accord. The church family faced a monumental task, more than $500,000 at this time in the late 1960s was needed to replace the lost building. Yet the people of God would come together and see the Lord revive His church. One more thing, in more recent years, over a span of five years from 2013 to 2018, the church saw three pastors come and go, resulting in a decline in the morale and the direction of the church. In 2018, before calling its next pastor, the church decided to work through a transition period. And they wrote a letter to the church. I'm going to read you that letter. I've read it multiple times to you before. But it's good for us to remember what God is doing here, what he has done, and what he will do. And this is what the letter says to our fellow members of Northwest Baptist Church. We know the works we have done, how we have chosen to remain in the community and have persevered. We know that we have a reputation for missions, discipleship, and service, yet we have lost our zeal for Christ. Often we serve out of our own passion, strength, and desires, frequently leaving us feeling trapped and ineffective. We have also made choices that have distracted us from the Great Commission. Therefore, we must repent of our sin and love God with our whole heart. We must reunite and prayerfully seek Christ's will, strength, and power to carry out God's Great Commission as body of equipped ministers. We also must refocus an intentional strategy and organization for making disciples of Christ. 
together we must seek Holy Spirit inspired wisdom because human ingenuity it will fail us if we do not do these things we will grieve the Holy Spirit we will become less and less relevant and we will be useless to God who will hold us accountable however if we restore our zeal for Christ our legacy will testify to the work of God God has been moving in his revitalization here at Northwest and we continue to be on mission together God has brought beauty from ashes this morning I want you to see as we look at the story of Ezekiel in which dry bones come to life I want you to see the power of God in reviving his people turn with me to Ezekiel 37 chapter Ezekiel chapter 37 it is um, Ezekiel Daniel Hosea Joel Amos it is in the in the Old Testament and after Jeremiah after Isaiah Ezekiel chapter 37 I almost said it's page 725 in the pew Bible in front of you but it's not in front of you so you can check that out with your cell phone but if uh, you'll stand in honor of reading God's Word we're gonna stand and read it and the few people that are here are standing with us as we read the Word of God and this is our authority as we look to it Ezekiel chapter 37 says this the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold there was many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live and I answered "O Lord God you know then he said prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and there there was sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy to the son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they exceedingly lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. What a passage of scripture this morning. Let's pray. Father, we ask that uh, your word would go forth that as we preach 
through an online audience, Father God, that your word would penetrate our hearts, that you would move in, this, in, in your spirit. Lord, we know that we ourselves can do nothing apart from Christ. We know that we cannot resuscitate, we cannot revive, we can do nothing apart from you, Lord. May the word of God and the fresh wind of, of the Holy Spirit come upon your people. That they may be revived. They may be restored. They may have life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some people may be looking at their life sometimes it's good to make an assessment of your life, but they may be looking at their life. And they look out into the valley and it's full of bones, full of dry bones. Parts of their life eaten away by sin, devastation, destruction, disappointment. In our world today, it may be your 401k. It may be your health. Maybe your hope in the nation, your job, your family, your stability. Do you, do you believe that God can bring hope into your hopeless situation? Do you believe that he can bring life to people who are dead in their trespasses and sins? Do you believe that he can bring life to his church? Do you believe he can renew a person with a depraved mind? It's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing to see the word of God come to life. And Ezekiel saw it in this vision. And I hope you see it this morning. God taking an army from dry bones that is used to display the glory of God. Let's be honest with one another. How many of us how many of us have trouble telling people whose life is decimated that God can rescue you from that valley? God can resurrect your life. He can resurrect your dry bones. I remember playing basketball um, in high school with a dislocated compound fracture and laying on the ground thinking to myself, where do I go from here? I can remember laying on a concrete floor in, in Thailand in a village where I don't speak the language. How is anyone going to understand this gospel? How are these people going to break away from their Buddhist faith and tradition to follow Jesus? I can remember coming having the air conditioning break down and all the things happen early on in our church here at Northwest and thinking, 
How is God going to revitalize, resurrect his church? Lord, bring us to life. Breathe new life. Bring your spirit upon us. Remember the context of this passage is Israel, the people of God, have been destroyed by the Babylonians. The Babylonians have burned the city of Jerusalem with its temple to the ground. The place of worship, the place where God dwells, has been decimated. There is nothing there. Ezekiel is a contemporary of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah writes this. In the fifth month, in Jeremiah 52, he writes, In the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, Sarardun, the captain of the bodyguard who served the king of Babylon, entered Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem and every great house he burned. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. God's people are broken, they're destroyed, they're decimated. And the city and God's people are in ruin. And God wants to tell Ezekiel something about himself. The character and the nature of God himself. And he does so by taking him to this valley. How many times does God want to teach us something by taking us through the valley? In verse 1 it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. The Spirit of the Lord places him in this valley. I imagine this valley or plain is like a battlefield. Maybe even in northern Israel they have a famous battleground called Megiddo, which is the site of the most battles on the face of the earth. That is the place where we get the name Armageddon, the last battle. It is the place where Israel's last king, Josiah, has died. Napoleon called Megiddo the greatest natural battlefield on all on the face of the earth. He, let, he takes them to this valley, possibly Megiddo. But we know that we are in a spiritual battle. In some cases, we feel as if we are walking around all the time with bones all around us. Lives of loved ones, lives of church members devastated by the enemy who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He takes him into this valley and he sees the, the decimation. He sees, sees all of these bones laying around. In verse 2, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. These bones have been there for a long time. They're white, having been dried out by the sun. There is no life there. Buzzards have picked all the scraps off of these bones. And there, when he sees 
these bones? God asked a pertinent question to Ezekiel. I think this question should be asked of us as well. Son of man, can these bones live? Verse 3. Can these bones live? Do you believe that God can use the most devastating situation and bring it to life? Can he put together that which there is no coming back from? Can he do it? I'm asking you that this morning. Can he take your divorce, your loss of a child, your loss of a loved one, your loss of your job, the church's failures, your largest disappointments, and can he redeem it? Can he take the dead bones in your backyard that are buried and bring them to life. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? It's one thing to hear it, it's another thing to believe it. This is Ezekiel's answer to that question. Oh Lord God, you know, kind of skirts that question, doesn't he? Lord God, you know. I'm not sure that you want to, Lord, but if you do, you know. And the Lord answers him, Ezekiel, I'm not go only going to bring these bones to life, but I'm going to use you to do it. I'm going to use you. To prophesy, to preach to the bones so that I can bring them to life. This is what he says in verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Prophesy has different meanings, but in this case, it is to speak the word of the Lord. To speak the word of the Lord. That's what prophets did. They spoke, they proclaimed the word of the Lord. Preach the word to these bones. Preach a very simple message. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You see, the word of God has power behind it because the spirit of God himself is behind it. Declaring he will bring life to these bones and that he is Lord God Almighty. 
We live in a world today in which we have to have the right programs in the church. We have to have the right attraction. We have, we have to get the point or, or people won't like us. We have to do all these things right. And God says, preach to the bones. Declare God's power in reviving his people from their slumber. Preach Christ and him crucified. Preach the word. God's saving grace through the power of the gospel. You know whatever, you know where else it says that God brings that which is dead to life. We just studied that in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, Paul says to the Ephesian church, and you were dead in your transgressions and sins which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, uh, among whom we all once lived in passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were dead. We were bones. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly paces in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were dead, and God made us alive. Let me remind you, that is not of your own doing. We are like these bones in which God breathes life into us. May we know that we are in Christ. May we know that we are given life through the Spirit that lives inside of us and allows us to to live. It doesn't matter if we were saved as a child or if we prayed a prayer or were baptized or went through confirmation or got a certificate of baptism or have been in the church for 50 years, if you're dead spiritually, allow God himself to breathe life into you. Trust in the power of God to bring life to your soul. So Ezekiel prophesies to the bones. He preaches to the bones. I heard one time in seminary, the professor, he took, a, um, as he teaches his introductory uh, teaching to preaching students, he takes his students to cemeteries and tells them to preach to the bones. And then he says, you must trust the power of God in preaching. Expect God to do something great through the power of his word he says some churches that you students will go to 
will be like that of a valley of dry bones. And you must believe that God can take people who cannot hear and give them ears and do not have eyes and let them see and do not have a heart and give them a a heart that wants to believe in the gospel. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. The breath. In the Hebrew, it's ruach, spirit, wind, breath. And just as in Genesis chapter 2, Adam was just a corpse until God breathed life into him. These bones, as they became sinews and, and, and muscles and skin, were just corpses without the breath of God upon them. Without the Spirit of God in them. <coughs> Excuse me. In the same way, Jesus, after the resurrection, breathed on his disciples. This is what it says in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Just as God had breathed into life Adam, Jesus breathed into life a new life, a regenerate life in the Spirit. They are born again. God gives them life. God can put all these things back together. It can look all pretty and neat and right on the outside. But if God does not breathe his spirit into his people or his church, there is no life. A person can look all together. They can have it all together on the outside. Yet if there is no Spirit of God breathing in them, they have no life. Same with the church. A church can be huge with many people. Look so beautiful and pretty in the programs be perfectly executed and yet be lifeless on the inside. Without the spirit of the living God breathing, leading in his church. May we yearn for that spirit, that breath of life in not only our own souls but in believers who gather as Northwest Baptists. 
Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. The army of God, resurrected to do the work of the Lord, ready to stand against the schemes of the enemy, ready to put on the armor of God and stand and declare the grace and loving kindness of the Almighty God found in Christ. Verse 11 tells us the context for which he gives this vision to Ezekiel. He said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, I will bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord, and I open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. God is telling Ezekiel that his people have disobeyed, that they lost their, they loved their idols more than the God of the universe are in ruin. ruin. But in this valley, God wants to show his power, his might, his glory. That God wants to revive and restore his people. That God's grace and mercy overcomes, not because we deserve it, but because he is good. We see this resurrection theme of the dead in this passage and it points us directly to Christ the resurrection of the bones the resurrection of the people the breath of life on God's people it points us to the one who was resurrected and who sent the spirit to resurrect his people Jesus, who would die on the cross for sinners, to take the punishment and the shame of a sinner so that we could have life. Jesus resurrecting from the dead, conquering sin and death so that the Holy Spirit could come and breathe life into our soul. As you know, I uh, usually have three points. I didn't have points this morning because it's a narrative. But I think there's three application points that we can go on as we look at this text of Scripture. Even though it is for Israel, it tells us the nature of God, the character of the resurrecting power that he has to revive his people even in the midst of sin and darkness these application points are believe in the power of God to revive his people believe in the power of God to revive you believe in the power of God to revive his church believe in the power of God to revive the person in your community group who has walked away from the Lord Our second point is God tells Ezekiel to preach to bones. 
preach the gospel to people. Even if they don't want to hear the message of truth, preach it. We've got to trust that God can replace dark and hardened hearts with new life. That He can open the ears, that He can open the eyes of the blind, that they may see the message of the gospel. My prayer is through this coronavirus that that is what He's doing. He's opening eyes, He's opening ears, and we, the church, are there to prophesy and to preach the gospel to people in desperate need of Christ. And the last thing is the Holy Spirit gives life. And He gives life to us to be that vast army that is used for the mission of God. It is that simple. It is that simple that we trust that our God can revive people, that we preach to the bones, that we trust that His Spirit revives people and gives them life. God says to Ezekiel, watch me work, but I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of the mission of God. Will you be a part of it? Will you watch as God uses you, a vast army, useful for the kingdom, useful for the gospel? Will you watch him resurrect your life? Will you share during this time of this virus All of these things, will you share the gospel with your neighbor? You share it. Everyone thinks that the the coronavirus is actually going to decrease community. I think it'll increase it. Here's why. People are going to stop their busy lives and they're going to have time. They're going to have time for their children. They're going to have time for their spouse. They're going to have time for their neighbors to go and talk to their neighbor, to go and talk to the person that is hurting. Because life has stopped. No sports, work from home, no church gatherings, programs. And it's time for the church to be the church. It's time for you, the church, to step out in faith and say, we're going to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. We're going to start right in our home, We're going to move to our neighbors and in our neighborhood. We're going to begin to gather in homes. That's what the church did in Acts. And hopefully this will bring about a great revival, a 
amongst the American church. I hope it'll bring about a great revival in Oklahoma City as we see God taking dry bones and giving them life. Romans 8, 11, I'll leave you with this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you.